This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Well, it is a great privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, Our church prays for you uh, regularly and often um, and I'm so excited to have the privilege of speaking to you now. Now, I don't know you. Uh, I don't know the stories that are in this room, but I know that uh, a, a room this size, that there is, there's like a spectrum, right? There's, there's a spectrum of even just faith. Some of us in this room have been Christians for a while. Uh, we kind of feel solid in terms of what we believe. We kind of know how things work and how things need to operate. Uh, some of us are, are new Christians. We're, 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 we're believers and we're still kind of working this whole Christian thing out and then there are people here and you're not a believer. You, you don't know what you believe. Maybe you're exploring faith and, and kind of seeing what this whole church Jesus thing is about. Also in a room this size, there's a diverse range of problems, a diverse range of how life is going. For some of us, life's going really, really well. Relationships are good. Study is good. Work is good. Finances is good. Health is good. But then there are some of us, life's not good. Relationships aren't that great. Study, falling way behind, feeling way overwhelmed. Work, working in a toxic environment, don't enjoy it. Family life's hard. Finances, debt. When I was exploring faith for myself, one of the things I loved about this book was this book was able to speak to everyone at every stage of faith and at every single level of circumstance. And I've now been a Christian for for over 20 years. I've been a Christian for 24 years. And, And the more I engage this book, the more I am just profoundly impacted by the fact that it continues to speak to every situation that I am in. And I can open it and I can learn. And so these, these stories are not just ancient historical narratives. They're not just ancient poems. We believe, as Christians, we believe that God has uniquely put this together in a way that speaks to us directly. And so regardless of where you are in your faith today, regardless of whether, uh, where you are in your circumstances today, I believe this has something to say to you. I would love to invite you to consider what it has to say and what it could mean for you. Now, this this passage of Scripture is really profoundly personal for me. Uh, In 2014, I'd had a whole lot of trauma in my life. Um, I didn't know it as trauma. I didn't understand what I had been through. But in 2014-15, basically an 18-month period, um, I was overwhelmed with anxiety. It started just being small little panic attacks that I thought were just, I'm dehydrated or, um, you know, I was on a plane, it's like, it's just vertigo. And then all of a sudden this went from happening like every couple of months maybe to like this started to ramp up where it was every week to every day. And at times I would end up in pools of vomit that I vomited up, have passed out and have no idea where I am. And I was in a really, really bad way. My wife was pregnant with our fourth kid, and life was probably the hardest stage I've ever been through personally. For nine months, I couldn't get out of my house. 
couldn't get out of our bed. But I had a godly wife, and my wife decided in my mess and in my turmoil, when I felt like I couldn't pray, I wasn't sure what I believed, I'd preached and told people about this God, and now I'm doubting him. My wife would drag me to bed, and she would start to just read me the Bible, and she started reading the Psalms. And she'd read Psalm 1, and Psalm 1 starts with the word blessed, and I'd be like, shut up, I don't want to hear it. This is not blessed. This is not hashtag blessed life. And a good godly wife that she is, she told me to shut up. (laughs) Fall asleep if you want, but I'm going to read you the Psalms. And so every night she would read me one Psalm. And it wasn't until the 77th Psalm that I heard God speak to me. And it was this Psalm. It was a psalm that's written by Asaph, and we don't know the story behind it. We're not sure exactly what he's going through, but he writes this psalm, and then this psalm actually becomes a corporate prayer that the church of old would actually pray sometimes in their services to help people to learn how to sort of go from your problem, whatever that is, no matter how trivial or how traumatic, and move towards praising God. And so I want to walk you through just four things that I think that this particular passage has to say. But before we we start, I think I just want to just acknowledge the fact that just having a psalm read to you and just a little bit of walking through what we're going to walk through today may not necessarily be enough for you. You may need other forms of help. So for me, I needed to go and see a professional Christian therapist, a counsellor. Until this day, eight years on, uh, I see him once a month. I don't get to travel. I don't get to do anything without his permission. Um, I'm still on medication. I'm still working through this thing called anxiety. I've had many other forms of help. I've had people help me with diet and try to get things right. And so there is a sense in which you can take the Bible and you can take problems and just Christianize them, right? Right? Well, just gospel it and it'll be okay. And I would say, no, the gospel and what God has to say is really, really important. But God also has other means. And so today, if you're in a situation where you are struggling with any form of mental health, whether it be anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, whether you're just struggling and you're down, yes, listen and learn today, but also consider what are other things that God has provided that may be of help to you? Because some churches would just say, well, just the God thing. It's just a rubber stamp. Stick it on. You should be good. Have enough faith and you'll be fine. And I think, no, the Bible says, yeah, let's learn some things. But also, God has given us doctors. God has given us healthcare professionals and therapists. And I praise God for them. God has given us community and friends and family who can lean in and help at times of need. And so don't just read this. Don't just hear this through the lens of this is just a rubber stamp. Just do this and you'll be okay. No, no. Think about those other things and do this. You with me? Okay, so let me give you four things that I think we see throughout this psalm that were really, really helpful to me. The first thing that he does in terms of moving from his problem to praise is he starts with moving his problem to, to prayer. And, and listen to the language of this prayer. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out with outwearying. My soul refuses, 
uh, refuses to be comforted. And when I remember God, I moan. I've never spoken to God like that. (laughs) When I think about you, I moan. That's strong language. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Do you see the honesty in which he speaks to God? Look, look at the language around. He's using this language of soul and spirit. This is, this is referring to the depths of his person. My soul, my spirit is not good. And he tells God that. He feels he can come to God and be honest about where he is. Now, I grew up in a church context where you can't do that. You have to pretend that everything's okay. And there was this sense in which you can't, you can't fully tell your story. You can't fully tell the issues that you're feeling. You can't really give language to what you feel to God because that would be irreverent. He is holy. We are not. And therefore, you've got to be careful, and, and, and rightly so, in a sense, right? Uh, we see in the Old Testament that the, the people of God are, are murmuring and grumbling, and they actually, God judges them for that. And He says, this is not how you talk to me. And so for some of us in the room, it can be a little bit confusing. Like, like how much can we tell God about how we feel? We, we, we don't want to be irreverent. We don't want to come to Him in a sense of just, whinging and complaining but man if you read the psalms they come to god and they're honest some of the psalms you almost hear like language of like god would you just kill him for me please that would be really helpful right and it's just like man it's open it's raw it's real and i remember when i when i heard my wife read this i'm like man that's exactly how i feel I don't have the strength to pray. I don't want to pray. My soul is dead. And I was not sure I could tell God those feelings. And then I heard this psalm where Asaph's like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. The Bible tells us that there is a righteous complaining that God invites Listen to Psalm 142, 1-2. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell Him my troubles. 1 Peter. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting It's like, just throw these on him, all of your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. If you know much about Jesus, Jesus prays and expresses sorrow and grief and has tears in his eyes, even when he prays to his father. And so there is an unrighteous complaining that that God would say, don't do. And and that unrighteous complaining, it's just... It's a sense of which it's finger pointing. It's coming to God and blaming him and just ongoing. That's what you see in the story of Exodus, where they're just, they're whinging, they're complaining. You don't do, you don't do, you don't do. But then there's this other sense of the difference is we're not going to God and finger pointing. We're going to God with our arms open and saying, please, please help. 
And what father ever turns away their child when they come and say, hey, I, I need help. Righteous complaining is coming to God and opening up your heart and bearing it to God in the hope that he has something that he can do, that he cares, and he is interested in the trivial to the traumatic he cares. And this is what you see if you read the book of Psalms. You see over and over again there's this treasure of language given to us where we're like, yeah, that's... That's me. And so if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you are feeling like you need help, people in this room will offer you help. But so will our God. He will invite you in. For those of you who are Christians and you've been Christians a while and, and in your head you think, well, God, God expects me to be, to, to be beyond this now and I'm still here. God is still inviting you and say, bring your trouble, bring your problem to me. That's prayer. And I love that we have a God that allows us to bring our problems to him in prayer, to bring our despair of our soul to the Lord. But it doesn't just stop with prayer. Second thing we see is he moves his problems into, into praying. And now he's going to move his problems into pondering, thinking, meditating. So he says, you, you hold my eyelids open, verse 4. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. This is him. He's sleepless. Anyone here been sleepless? You can't sleep. You, just, you cannot switch off the mind. And he's despairing because he is doubting. He has doubt in his heart. Now, we often doubt in the dark what God has said in the light. See, when things are going well in life, the Bible would say that's when we forget God. But when things are going bad in life, that's when we doubt God. And so there's a sense in which Asaph has, has experienced despair and there's a sense of doubt in his heart. Have you ever felt like God doesn't care? God can't really... I know he's forgiven me, but he hasn't forgiven me. If you've got sin in your life and you're a Christian, you've brought that to Jesus and you're still feeling shame and guilt... That's you. He's forgiven me. I don't know if he's forgiven me. I, I know he helps people. I know he's good. I can tell everybody else that. I can count you, man, no, God loves you, man. God's good for you. No, man, God's forgiven you. God will help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when it's your turn. See, I was preaching every week. I was telling all our people about how good God is. I was walking people through stuff. And then I hit my stuff. And now I had to ask the question, oh man, do I believe in this God to be good? Because he ain't here with me right now in this, in this floor. He, he's not here in the mess with me. Like where, where, where is he for me? It was so easy for me to tell people that God loves them, God's with them, God will help them. And then it was my turn. Can I trust that this God will help me? You have to just, you have to go to God in prayer. 
But you must also go to God in terms of meditating and thinking and asking questions. Not just about the moment and what you feel. You have to go, okay, in this moment of darkness, I'm doubting. But what has he told me in the light that I know to be true? And this is what he does. He says, I consider the days of old. The years long ago, I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. What's he doing? He's saying to himself, hang on, hang on, hang on. Remember when you had joy in your walk with Jesus? Remember when you you actually believed that this was a book in which God could speak to you through? Uh, Remember when the church was helpful and good and joyful community. Often uh, I get to do marriage counseling. And one of the things that I I find most helpful with with marriage counseling is, is trying to get the couple who are struggling right now to go back to the moment when they were first in love. And so actually one of the first things I do is I just ask them, tell me where you guys met. And it's fascinating because they come into the room and then like they're angsty. And like, he's ready to tell me all about what she's doing wrong. And she's ready to tell me about all what he's doing wrong. And then you get them talking about that. And all of a sudden, like, I just watch them and I just see, if I can see a glimmer of a smile, yeah, I remember that. Remember remember when we used to do, yeah, that's good. And all of a sudden they start talking and you're like, we're going to get there. So I just try to help them of like, hey, to to have what you once had, maybe you need to start doing what, what you once did. And that can be true with with us in our faith. When we go through dark times, when we're struggling with anxiety, depression, stress, weariness, coming out of a pandemic, we need to go back. Remember when you believed, deeply believed, how much God loved you? Go back there. This is what he's doing. He's going back and he's remember the days where God was close. And I believe that the joy was there in his salvation. Do you remember a time? Do you remember that time when you first realized you were a Christian? And how good that felt. Like I remember... Becoming a Christian and realizing for the first time of like God had forgiven me of all of my sexual history. And it was like the first time I'd felt free in my life. And I'm like, oh, wow, that, I don't have to carry that. And then later on in my walk, the enemy wants to kind of keep bringing that back up. And I have to keep wrestling of, no, remember that day where you felt free. And it was light and it was joyful. And it was like, oh man, this is, this is what we have to do. We have to continue to go back. And again, if you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe one day you become a Christian and then you're a Christian for five years. You still need to come back to some of these moments in your story. Asaph is meditating. He's thinking. He's contemplating. Meditation is a, it's an interesting word. Uh, some years ago, I, I walked past, we kind of had a, a house that was like a long hallway with all the rooms were along, and so I was walking all the way through to the kitchen, and uh, as I walked in, like my, my, my daughter, I think she was about maybe eight at the time, she's kind of got her legs crossed, and she's doing these ones, and I'm just hearing, hmm, and so I've kind of walked past, and I'm like, 
That was very interesting. We haven't taught that practice in our little Christian home. And so I just sort of sat outside of her room watching her and her eyes are shut, legs are crossed. She's doing these things. And so slowly I walk in. It's like, huh, what you doing, honey? She's like, I'm meditating. Interesting practice. Where did we learn this? Oh, we had some lady come in, taught us a whole bunch of this stuff. And so we do this. And I'm like, okay. So, and she explained it. She's like, okay. So, so what you do, Dad, you've got all these thoughts in your mind and, and you've got to empty them and get rid of them. And so if you just be quiet enough, long enough, they'll go. And I just said, well, that's a really interesting concept of meditation. Do you know the Bible speaks about meditation? She's like, oh, really? Yeah. We don't have to cross our legs. We don't have to hold our hands like this. Um, and, and it's actually the opposite. In Christian meditation, it's not emptying your mind of stuff. It's filling it with stuff. It, it's getting the truth and rehearsing it and thinking about it. And this is, this is what he starts to do. He starts to ask a bunch of questions. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? That's a good question. Have you felt like that? Is God ever going to like come here and show me his hand? Well, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, No, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Verse 8, has his steadfast love forever ceased? No, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness. Are his promises for an end? I was asking, like, are you going to come and help me? Are you going to be here for me, God? Will you, will you help me? Because I see you helping everybody else. But what about me? What about the promise that you will never leave me nor forsake me? That doesn't feel true to me right now. Because I'm in a world of hurt. And my wife's doing all this stuff on her own. And our church and all of these questions. Joshua 21. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget before. Uh, behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Lamentations. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Man, they sure as heck feel like they do. And so he started meditating, starting asking the questions. So I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what is your problem. What is it that you're going through? What if in your own heart, somebody else for you, within a group of people, what if you just start asking the questions and start thinking about the answers that God says? Because here's the difference. It's one thing. This is the difference between complaining that is righteous and complaining that is unrighteous. The righteous complainer will not just complain to the Lord, but will also allow him to speak to them. So will you let God speak to you? And so he's moved from his problems to praying, problems to, to pondering and thinking, and now he moves his problems to preaching. 
And I think this is really, really critical. This is the sense of you need to preach to yourself. It, what we're doing right now is wonderful. We get to come together as a community. What you do in your GCs is wonderful. But at some point, you've got to start to preach to yourself. And this is, this is key. So he's, he's pondering the truths of God and what has he been taught. He's pondering the scriptures and what there is uh, that has been said. He's, pro- he's pondering the promises. And now he's coming and he's going to start to preach to himself. And so he says, verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, Uh, Most high, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Do you see the shift? No, no, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to let myself, I'm going to let my mind go there to, to the things of old, the things that you've done where I've seen your hand. He's appealing. He's preaching to his own soul. He's not just calling to mind the truths. He's trying to get them in here. Because at the, at the heart of our problems, the thing, particularly for us who are Christians, the thing that ultimately leads us to despair is not the problem. It's the absence of God in the problem. The problem is sovereign. The problem is what we see. The anxiety, we can't get past. The depression, we can't get past. The financial insecurity, we can't get past. And the preaching to the self has is, is gone beyond just thinking and pondering and meditating. What he's now doing is he's going, now let's see God become this in light of that problem. So Asaph is no longer allowing the problem to be the sovereign communicator of truth. He doesn't deny the truth, right? We've seen him say, God, I'm struggling. God, I'm hurting. God, this is hard. He's not denying it. He's not downplaying it. He's not pretending like everything's just roses. He's honest. He's raw. But he's come to God in prayer and said, God, but I'm bringing that to you in hope that you can do something. And I'm going to go back where I've seen you do things. So he's, he's got this, this memory of God's faithfulness and miracles and kept Promises of the past that encourage him in his present. And as my wife was reading this particular chapter, I heard it and I said, read it again. Every other night she had to tell me, shut up, just listen. And this night I'm like, don't shut up, keep reading. And some of it was this part that comes up next. Where he says, your way, O God, is holy. But God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your mighty, uh, your might amongst the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When we're in a problem, there are two things I think we ultimately need. Right? If someone's going to come and offer us help, there are two things we need. One, can you help? Do you have the tools? Do you have something that can actually help me? And then two, are you willing to help? Do you care? 
Because you can get someone who, who, who's willing to help, but they, they just don't really have anything to offer because they don't have the skills. And so they, they can kind of go, oh, man, it's really, I'm really sorry for you. That's really hard. Or you can get someone who's got the tools, but they just, they just don't care about you. And so they have what it's going to help, but they just don't offer it to you. And what he does here is he says, no, 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 here's what we have in God. We have the powerful God who can. He's mighty. He's done works of old. But he's also the personal God that cares. And we get both in the one. So he comes in his power. He comes in his might and he redeems his people. If God were only a powerful God that can, that is no help to you or I. If God is only the personal God who cares, that is no help to you or I. But if we have the powerful God that can, the personal God that cares, He can help. And so he goes to the story of Joseph and Jacob and he's remembering what God has done there and he's like, oh man. And he's allowed that to go into his heart. It took a while, but I just kept reading this over and over and over and over again. And so we never actually made it to the end of Psalms because I just sat here for the next few months. And over time, I started to believe that that was my God. He cared about my trauma. He cared about my family. He cared about my church. And he had something he could do to redeem and help me. And maybe, maybe you're not sure if you can believe that about God. I just want to say it's true. And there are stories in this church where if people were to tell you their story, it would, it would radically impact how you view God because they would be able to say, man, I was here and God helped me get to here. And church, this is why we need to share our stories. The gospel is God's story. Testimony is your story pointing to the God story. And then lastly, he finishes with, with praise. So he's allowed his problems to move him to praying. He's allowed his problems to move him to pondering. He's allowed his problems to move him to preach to his own soul and his heart. And now his problems move him to praising. And he says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up. The world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your fingerprints were unseen. He's pointing to the story of the Exodus. Again, he's going back there and he's glorying in what God has done. He's using this poetic language to show us the power of God. The transcendence of God. The fact that God kind of reoriented creation to be reversed as he parted the waters of the sea in this ancient story. And then he finishes with verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. There's the personal God. God's not just doing stuff. God's working and walking with his people. And what is absolutely fascinating as I continue to read this over and over again is the difference between pronouns at the beginning of the psalm and at the end of the psalm. So let me read you the beginning. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, 
I seek the Lord in the night of my hand is stretched out without wearing. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. In that last section, not a single pronoun relative to himself. Doesn't mention himself once. Why? Because as he has prayed and brought his problem to God, as he started to ponder and ask questions about the nature and character of God, as he started to preach to his own soul about those things and remembering the things that God has done for him and in history, he becomes so overwhelmed, not with his problem, but with the goodness, greatness, character of his God that he just starts praising him. This is amazing. And as I was sitting there reading this and, and going over this, I'm like, I want to get to that point where this thing doesn't control me, doesn't dominate me. Worship has swallowed up his doubt. Boldness has overcome his fear. And listen, when we hold up our problems and we bring them to God... And we allow them to move us to prayer. It's not necessarily that our problems go away. It's just that the weight of them gets redistributed. And they're not quite as heavy as they once were. When we let our problems move us to uh, pondering, it's not that our problems necessarily go away, but they do find their place in a different reality. When we let our problems move us to preaching, our problems may not go away, but our hearts and minds can be filled with hope again. And when we let our problems move us to praising, our problems may not go away, but our problems sure to lose their ability to consume our minds, drain our energy, steal our joy or crush our hope. And as the band come up, Asaph looked to the Exodus. That is the story of God's redemptive act for God's people that the people of the Old Testament looked to. What is that for the New Testament Christian? It's the cross. You see, I don't know why it is that you're going through what you're going through, and you don't know. But I know what it can't be. It can't be that you're going through that because God doesn't love you. It can't be that. Why? Because we have a redemptive moment in history in which we look at that proves that God loves us because he went to a cross and he died for you. Rose again for you. So that you could be forgiven, so that you could walk in a relationship with God. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through but I know it can't be that God's absent from that. Somehow, some way, God's involved in that. How do I know that? Because you look at some of the most horrendous things in the life of Jesus on the cross, and he is present with his people, and he dies, but he rises again and then gives us his spirit so he could be present with all of us at all times. So I'm not sure where you're at. But let me tell you where God is at. God loves you. God cares about the smallest trivial thing going on in your life right now. And he cares about maybe even the trauma that you're experiencing. How do you know that? Because he went to a cross.
cross and died on a cross for you. And he rose again for you. And he created a thing called the church for you. He gave the spirit for you. So would you bring whatever it is that you are going through, would you bring that to him in prayer? Would you allow others even to just speak truths of the gospel into your heart anew? And would you in that moment praise him for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do? Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, we thank you that we have the cross to look at to know that you are the powerful God that can you're the personal God that cares and Lord wherever we find ourselves today on the spectrum of faith on the spectrum of troubles and trials would you help us to come to you and you today and bring those things to you asking you for help believing and hoping that you can act and move on our behalf thank you for being present thank you for helping thank you for caring and God, help us to move from our problems all the way to praising, honoring, glorying you. I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, as we transition to a time of response and worship together, as the rest of the band comes out, I want to invite us to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. And we want to celebrate the Lord's Supper every week as we remember our Lord, our Savior, and what He has done for us, as Kylan just reminded us, as we celebrate the truth of the gospel. Uh, but this morning, as we invite you to come and take the Lord's Supper, and you can do that by heading to the back during these next couple of songs, there's going to be the elements, the grape juice, the bread, and take that and, and eat and drink and remember the body and the blood of Christ that was broken and shed for you. Um, but as we do that, you know, I, I wonder if this message has struck home for you. I wonder if there's been resonance with you. I wonder if you can identify things in you that God has been speaking about or speaking to in this time. And I just want to just remind us this morning, church, of who Jesus is. In Isaiah chapter 61, a prophecy about Jesus, there's this description of him that's given. And the prophet writes, and this is about Jesus, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And particularly this verse here, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And I just have this sense that, you know, there's people in the room this morning who... God wants to bind up your broken hearts. The pain that you might be feeling, the things that you might be going through, He wants to minister to you this morning. And so as we go to the back during these songs, as we receive the Lord's Supper, I wanna encourage you that we don't just do that to remember what Jesus has done, but we do that also to remember who He is and what He still is doing today, what He still has the power to do in our lives today. And so... 
I wanna invite you, go to the back, receive the Lord's Supper, but maybe linger there if you need to. Or maybe spend some time on your knees, crying out to God, praying to Him. Maybe bring a friend that you would like to pray with you. Uh, our pastors, Matt and James and Kylam as well, can be up the back as well and would love to pray for you. If there's anything at all that you wanna cast at the feet of Jesus, I invite you to, to use this time to remember, but also to lean in to the character, to the goodness of God and let Him meet you in that. Let Him minister to your heart through His Spirit, through His people. And so I invite you to do that. It's not a rushed moment. We've got plenty of time for it. And so please make the most of that. And I believe God wants to do some, some work in our hearts this morning. And we're gonna sing together now while that